Well, we are um, in our in such a how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? And I need a booklet. That's what I need. Um, or else I'm going to be in trouble. This is what happens when you get, get thank you. Isn't anyone using that? Okay. Um, so uh, there's a story about a guy by the name of Ira Yates. And uh, he lived between 1859 and 1939. And he grew up in a cattle ranching farm, but found himself actually in the grocery business in West Texas. And he traded his, traded his surprisingly successful grocery store uh, for a 16,640-acre river ranch in Pecos County, Texas, just below Midland in 1915. Now, since he had more experience in ranching than as a grocer, he kind of welcomed the trade, paying around $16,000 more over the next three years for the farming and ranching property. Herding, selling, and caring for cat cattle was, a, was hard work, and droughts and other impediments to owning land made things very difficult for, for Ira and his wife. His cattle were dying off. They had no water. The droughts were just destroying everything he had. But in the 1920s, while his property was still struggling, he got a visit from a man from the Transcontinental Oil Company to drill for oil on his property. Well, they had tried that before and nothing had happened. Um, but when they drilled to the depth of 997 feet, more oil came out of the ground than could be contained. And the rest is history. Over 1.5 billion barrels of oil were extracted from the Yates Field, have been extracted, I should say, since then, making the Yates Field one of the most profitable and productive fields in the United States of America ever discovered. So here's the question. When did Ira Yates become a billionaire? Was it when they discovered the property or when he bought the property? When he bought the property. He just didn't know the wealth that he had, the wealth that he owned by that property being his. And I think that's true for so many of us, if not all of us who have gotten in the wheelbarrow, said I do, received the gift because we just haven't drilled deeply enough to find out the infinite measure of God's love and riches to us in Jesus Christ. And, and that's what we do. That's why we're here, while we're here, to learn more of, to drill deeper into God's word, to experience God and the riches of his life in each and every one of us. Um, we are living in a, I mean, I know we haven't had much rain in New Orleans, but we are living in a spiritually drought-ridden time. But it, and that's why it is so important for you and me who have Christ in us to express those rivers of living water. Jesus says when the Spirit comes out of your innermost being, when you are born into Christ, you are filled with God's Spirit. Okay, this is what, remember last, I told you guys that before we're in Christ, we're still, well, let me just use my cup, let me not confuse you. We're still in Adam, okay? And the Spirit just comes to just convince us and re reveal to us that we're in Christ. And then when he, he turns us over and he pours himself into us and pours us into Christ, the Bible says out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water, life-giving water. Those springs only come up from those who have the wellspring of life in them. 
And so for you and me to know that in us is something much more valuable than 1.5 billion (laughs) barrels of oil. It's the very God who created all of that oil. It's the God who created all those riches. And he is the sum total of all of those riches. I wonder how awkward was it for Mr. Yates when all of a sudden he realized he possessed more than he ever could have imagined. I, I don't necessarily know, but God wants us to grow more and more comfortable and amazed as well that such are we who have Christ himself. We fit into God's kingdom by the work of the Holy Spirit and all the benefits of being in Christ have accrued to us. And God wants us to know this. He wants us to know this so that as his sons and as his daughters, whom he has brought to himself, every one of us a prodigal that he has brought to himself, he wants to know that he has lavished upon us, prodigals, redemption, forgiveness, acceptance, all that is his. He wants us to avail ourselves our, so, that, of, so that we can show to others as well all that he would be to, to them. In Peter's second letter, this is what Peter writes. Whoops, that's Mr. Yates' logo. His divine power, his divine power which took us out of Adam and put us into Christ has granted to us, what's that word there? Can you read it? All things that pertain to life and godliness. So everything that you and I need to experience Christ in us is in us because we are in Christ. How's that happen? Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he, do you see the verb tense here? Has granted That's past completed action has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And he goes on to say this, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brother affection, and brotherly affection with love. Because you and I have been given all we need for life and godliness by the indwelling Holy Spirit, you and I can now make every effort because we have what we need in Christ to supplement our faith with virtue and on and on and on. So the more we know him, again, the more we trust him, the more we trust him, the more we love him, the more we love him, we just desire to serve him. That's the work of God's Holy Spirit in us. That's the way it looks. It pleases the Father Every time we submit ourselves to him, because in that surrender to him, we look more like the son. We look more like Jesus. And the things of this world look less like us. Did you hear what I just said? The more we surrender ourselves to the father, the more we look like Jesus, the less we look like what we look like as prodigals in the far country, looking for the world to feed us pig slop. Okay. Because that's really what we feast on compared to who Christ is in us. And until the Spirit of God opens our eyes, or we ask for the Spirit of God to open our eyes, I want to know this. Do I feel like I have everything I need for life and godliness? Answer. Two-letter word. No, I don't. But should I live by what I feel, or should I live by what God, by the Holy Spirit, says to me? I need to, Lord, I don't feel this, but I believe you. I believe this is true. I want to live according to my birthright. I don't want to live according to my Adamic birthright. 
I want to live according to the, the birthright I have in Christ, the inheritance that I have in Christ. I want to live according to, to that. For this very reason, let these things will be. So, so you and I are more accepted than we can imagine, more unconditionally accepted than we can imagine, and more unconditionally loved than we can imagine. Let me just give you a, a little picture here. This, uh, you may know, is the president of the United States, former president, deceased, obviously, president of the United States, John F. Kennedy. Okay, now he's just doing his work here. Now, you know, as president of the United States, particularly in the 60s, the, the most powerful man in the world. No question. Now, I want you to see how impressed this person is that he is in the same room as the most powerful man in the world. <laughs> Who is he to him? That's my dad. I'm crawling under that. That's right. That's John John. He's just crawling around. Just He knows that little goofy door is there. And he is right at home with the most powerful man in the world. Does he look intimidated to be there? No. He's just being my dad, most powerful man in the world, his little boy. Totally comfortable. Totally happy. Totally at home. This is it's kind of a picture of what God desires for you and me to love him. Not that we lose our reverence for him. Please don't hear me saying that. This is still holy, infinite God we're talking about. But he wants us to always, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, he says to come confidently before his throne of grace so that we can find grace and mercy whenever we need. Whenever we need. And so God wants us to know this intimate, reverential comfort reverential rest reverential being at home and that in the more comfortable we are with his presence the more desiring you and i are going to become of being filled more and more and more with him so that we are experiencing it's more and more natural for me to live like this and to look like the sun in Christ. So that's what God desires for you and me. To be more and more comfortable in his holy presence. So that you and I can be more and more comfortable. As we're in the presence of others who may be in Christ or not in Christ. Expressing who Christ is through us. So if, if God's spirit lives in us. These are the, to become the things that look more and more natural to us. Are more and more natural to us. But again, here's, here's, what, here's what John writes in his first epistle. See what kind of love the Father has been given to us. That we should be called the children of God. And such we are. Hey, you want to know what kind of love God has given you? This is the kind of love God has given you. You're my boy. You're my girl. Nobody's going to take you from me. And so we are. I'm, John emphasizes it. Have you happened to notice what kind of love the Father has given to you? It's the kind of love that lets you be called my boy, my girl. And that's what we are. See, that's what we're... And we don't really, though we believe it because it's in the book, we still don't believe it in our brain or in our heart because we still let the world define us and we don't let the Spirit of God define us. Therefore, how can the Spirit of God fill me? He fills me by there being less and less of me and more and more of him and more and more being relaxed in his presence and therefore expecting if his presence is in me and I am in him with every day, I can enjoy the joy of being in his presence and expressing his life personally being filled over and over again. As I was saying, God wants us to be, I have in our notes here, 
get used to being unconditionally loved, unconditionally loved and accepted. And get out of your brain and your heart once and for all that there's anything that you can do that for a nanosecond or in any way separates you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Because you are in Christ Jesus. So if you have said, I do, received the gift, gotten in the wheelbarrow, there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. You didn't put yourself in Christ. You can't take yourself out of Christ. A Loria is a Loria because he was born a Loria. And nothing can make my sons or daughter not a Loria. You'd have to extract the DNA out of them. <laughs> can't do that. God saved us. We didn't save ourselves. This is his doing. And that should give us such joy and such confidence before him. That he who began a good work in me. Is that not what Paul said? We said that, read that in the first session. He, Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work. Who began the good work? He began this work. He is faithful. He is faithful. Am I faithful? Not in a million years for him to complete it. He is faithful to complete it. I didn't save myself. I don't keep myself. He does that. And that makes me more and more at home with him. More and more comfortable. More and more desiring to be like him. A new life. A new power to live. Because there's a new inhabitant within. So, as Jesus is about to ascend, leave his disciples, one of the last things he tells them is this. But you will, you, followers of me, will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the end of the earth. Okay? If he was saying that in New Orleans, he would say, you'll be my witnesses in New Orleans, in Metairie, in Kennebra, and Marrero and Wagaman even. Okay? So, I mean, that's, that's amazing. So, but... Did he say when you re you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit, you may receive power. You'll get 80% power. You'll get 38% power. You'll get 72% power. Yeah, 28 and a half. Uh, now, he says you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What power is that? It's the life of Almighty God by the Holy Spirit when he comes upon you. Now, when does the Holy Spirit come upon you? Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. When you are, now again, I know that there's some different, different thoughts of this in the Christian world. How much of your parents did you get when you were conceived? You got all there was to get. Okay. When you and I are born of the spirit, we get all the spirit. We are baptized into the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is, is baptized into us. And what happens after that? We just continually are filled. And filled and filled. And we live more like who we are. And less like who we no longer are. If we're allowing the Spirit of God to continue to fill us. This is what Paul told the Corinthians. Don't you know? And the answer to the question is oftentimes not. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you. Whom you have from God, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So, worship God in your bodies. I, question. Do you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? No. I mean, really. Do you know, Frank Loria, that your body is a temple? You house God. I didn't say you are God. I said you, your body has become the temple, dwelling place, the holy place of God's dwelling. How'd that happen, God? I, I can't get any of me in this. I'm trying to find me in this. I can't. You have him from God. You now are not your own. Is God going to give you back? Is God going to say, enough of your sinning? I'm sorry, I'm leaving. I'm vacating. Your place is for rent. Is he saying, no. You were bought with a price. So, since that's true, glorify God in your body. Now, 
What does it mean to glorify God in your body? Well, when Moses asked for Exodus chapter 33 and 34, when Moses asks God to show him his glory, okay, well, Moses wasn't going to, that was not going to happen in Moses be anything but just a little heap of ashes if God would have done that. So Moses is hid by God in the cleft of a rock and Moses walks past him and declares his glory. And he, as he declares his glory, this is what he says. He says, the Lord God, gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, able to forgive sins to the third and fourth generation, but will by no means let the guilty go unpunished. So the glory of God looks like something in us. Do you know what it looks like? Well, what the glory of God looks like in God. Gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, forgiving sins and iniquities. And so you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Be a forgiver as God is. Be compassionate as God is. Merciful as God is. How can I do that? Because my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within me. I have died in Adam and I am now alive in Christ by the work of the Holy Spirit of God. Ah. So here's a prayer. I want you guys just a circle, if you would. Ephesians 1, 17 through 19. This is Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesus. It is such a powerful prayer. It's, a, it's one of the it's one of the first scriptures I think I ever memorized because it is so helpful. I prayed this prayer over my children. Pray this prayer over your children <laughs> when you have them. Pray this prayer. Okay. I keep asking. Do you hear what Paul says? I'm just not just asking once. And so I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Stop for one second. Now, wait, I thought I had the spirit. Yes, you do. But he's talking about a manifestation of the spirit. The spirits you have, again, when did Yates become a billionaire? When he bought the property. When did he know it? Years later. And guess what he just kept discovering? As more oil just kept spewing out of the ground. Wow, I'm richer than I thought. Friends. If you're in Christ, we're richer than we think. Bill Gates, pauper. Bezos, Amazon, beggar. Now, I, I hope they won't end life that way. But compared to you, they got nothing. Oh, they may have more stuff for a few years. But would you rather have it for the dash or would you rather have it forever? I, I think I know how you would answer that question. So I keep asking that the God and Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you, may manifest in you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you may know him better. <laughs> I just love that. Wisdom and understanding for the purpose of falling more deeply in love with him. The spirit to give you a greater revelation of how high and wide and long and deep is this love of God. I pray the eyes of your heart. You didn't know your heart had eyes, did you? I pray the eyes of your heart and means your inner being may be opened. God, open the eyes of my understanding so that I may know the hope to which you have called me. The riches of his, inglo his glorious inheritance in his holy people. We're going to stop right there. So I pray. Is this not a great prayer? This is the prayer I prayed over my kids. This is the prayer I pray over us. God grant me your spirit of wisdom and revelation. Manifest. Because I want to know you more. God open the eyes of my understanding. Enlighten them so that I may know. The hope to which you have called me. Your plan for me. And the riches of your glorious inheritance in your holy people. Do you know what this is saying? This is saying that 
to God. We are a glorious inheritance. Okay, I'm not saying to your aunt or your grandmother. I'm saying to God, you and I are a glorious inheritance. Can you wrap your... See, here's what happens. If that's so big, we don't even begin to try to even extend our arms to get to that. It's just too big. Well, just... Now, do you think Paul's going to ask them to ask for something that they shouldn't ask for or will not have any way of knowing? I don't think so. Will we know the fullness of this? I don't think so. But is there more to know? I do believe so. The riches of his glorious inheritance. And he's not done. And his incomparably great power. That you will know his incomparably incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same power as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. And seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And guess what? Brought you and me right there with him. This is so much bigger than we know. Because God wants to fill us and fill us so that we can experience life in Christ. The joy, the peace, the purpose, the amazing unconditional acceptance. Our being filled with his spirit means I know with all confidence and all certainty that I belong to him and he belongs to me, and he will never leave me or, or separate himself from me. Therefore, I should expect, the more and more I know him, the more and more I become like him, the more and more of him is expressed through me in my being filled and filled and filled. And how many times are you filled with the Holy Spirit? I have no idea. But it's more than once. It better be. It's constantly more and more. The path of the righteous, the psalmist writes, is like the light of dawn that gets brighter to the new day. It's like, you know what a rheostat is? You know that dimmer thing on your your light switch? It's just more and more and more. I see more. I see more. I see more until the fullness of day. That's the day when we see him. And we are like him forever. So, great prayer. Ephesians 1.17, Spirit, fill me with your wisdom and understanding that I may know the Father, the Son, and even you, Holy Spirit, better than I do. did. And, and so, this is so interesting that Jesus lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's our only way to really live as well. Luke 4.1 says this, And Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. devil. This is interesting. Jesus, led by the Spirit, (laughs) went into the wilderness and was tempted for 40 days by the devil. But the Spirit who led him into the wilderness had also filled him to to experience... And to resist the temptations in the wilderness. And there's so much to talk about here. But I, I, and I don't remember if, if I gave you... No, I didn't. I, look in, look in, your, uh, in, your, in your hand out there. Sorry. Look in your hand out there. It says, he resisted the devil. Do you see that? By the power of the Spirit. He served God by the power of the Spirit. He received wisdom by the power of... Of the Spirit, He ministered to people's needs by the power of the Spirit. He cast out demons by the power of the Spirit. He raised the dead by the power of the Spirit. He loved all the way to death by the power of the Spirit. There's nothing Jesus did that was not by the power of the Spirit. All of that was the Spirit. Now, I want you to do this real quick. If you've got your uh, Alpha Bible, as we call it, just turn to page 1045. 1045. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 11. 
verse 11, page 1045. Okay, you see it on the right-hand column, almost uh, just about 11, 12 lines from the top of the page, middle of the column. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, let me just read that again. If the same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells where? Where? Dwells in you. What spirit are we talking about dwells in us? The same spirit that dwelt in whom? Jesus. If the same spirit that dwelt in Jesus dwells in you, how do you and I overcome anything that comes against us? By the power of the indwelling spirit. So God fills us with the spirit to be able to resist temptation, to resist depression, to resist rejection, to resist all these things that Satan will bring against us so that we can be filled during the most mundane times of life. I'm not just talking about praying for somebody who's got cancer and all of a sudden cancer leaves them. I've had the joy and the privilege of us praying for someone that, about allergies a, a while back. And there are stories like this all over the place. I was praying for someone that had, had allergies. Um, and they said, you know, while you're at it, I've discovered a lump. And it's really sensitive. Um, and I don't know what to do about it. Sunday morning, church service. And we just prayed. A couple of us prayed. I don't remember who was there with me. Um, she was due to go see the doctor the next day. We prayed that night. She felt for it. It was gone. She went to the doctor the next day and he said, I don't know what lump you're talking about. Now, those are cool, aren't they? But how about the coolness when the last place you want to be Hear me, listen, the last place you want to be is where you find yourself. And then suddenly, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. The same spirit that led Christ into the wilderness, led Christ in, onto the cross and through the cross dwells in me. I can be filled with the Spirit even then. That final exam, <laughs> that new semester, that job which is eating away at me, these people that are driving me crazy. Uh, that's what I'm talking about, being filled with the Spirit, experiencing that power to love the unlovable, those ones just like us. That's, look, I mean, we read, we read this book and we love to get to the miracles. Can I tell you? Loving the unlovable, okay? Being in the situation you don't want to be in, I don't want to be in, and then watching the Spirit of God change me, struggling through disease, that just doesn't want to go away. Struggling with habits that seem like they're strangling the life out of me. Facing issues that you never thought you'd have to face. The same spirit which raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. The same spirit that gave him power. Again, he didn't, you know, he didn't come to earth as, you know, carrying around his God card. I mean, he left heaven without all his godly prerogatives, which he could have expressed and exercised. But he put all that aside to live as one of us, yet without sin. And so, though we see lepers healed, bring it. Blind seeing. Lame walking, dumb talking, deaf hearing, 
Those are awesome. Love those things. Make for much better books than, hey, I went to work today and I actually, I loved the people I was working with. I hate them. Um, I, I, I actually, I felt like I honored God in my work today. You know, then, then I read this thing in Colossians that said, whatever you do in word or deed, whatever you do, does that include work? Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving glory to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. So, um, I love the fireworks displays of the Holy Spirit. But there's a lot of just little sparks that may not mean much to a whole lot of people. But it's exactly what you need going to work on Monday. Or maybe it's exactly what you need waking up to the person next to you every day. Or not waking up to the one you want, wish were next to you every day. That's what God does. That's being filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that anointed Jesus to live on this planet. It's the same Spirit that lives in you and me in the midst of wherever we may be. To walk in and be filled with the power of the Spirit. And I... You know, we're going to pray in just a couple minutes. There's many of us in this room that we need to know the power of the Spirit in the most mundane situations. There are many of us that need to understand the power of God in the most difficult of times. Can you be joyful? I didn't say happy. There's a big difference between happy and joyful. You do know that, don't you? Happiness depends upon what hap ends, Right? If I like what hap ends, I'm happy. If I don't like what happens, saints lose tomorrow, I'm unhappy. Okay? Um, so, you know, whatever it may be, stock market up, down, whatever, hap, hap. But that happiness and joy, you understand, are two different things. Joy is what God gives us. Happiness. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being happy. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But let's just understand this. I can experience joy in the midst of my deepest grief because the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Not the fruit of my circumstances, the fruit of the Spirit. Doesn't mean you won't cry your flipping eyeballs out. I'm not saying that. You will. You should. Jesus did. But there is a filling. You know, the religious word is anointing that God gives us. So, so here's what Paul writes to the Ephesians. Well, hey, don't get drunk with wine. Okay, let me just translate that. It means don't get drunk with wine. That's what it means. Um, <laughs> But it could also say, don't get drunk with your work. Don't get drunk with your money. Don't get drunk with your beauty. Don't get drunk with your wardrobe. Don't get drunk with your friends. Don't get drunk with anything that this world has to offer you because it's going to cause a dissipation of other things. That's debauchery. Now, that's just a big word for sin. But... Be drunk with, literal Hebrew, uh, Greek there, be controlled by the Spirit. It's the continuous present tense of the Greek word. In other words, but keep on being filled. Keep on being controlled by the Spirit. And then addressing, talking to one another, hanging out with one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart as you interact with one another. Giving thanks always. Giving thanks always. And for everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we see that the Spirit is up to a lot of things. The Spirit gives us the character of Christ. He gives us the very fruit of the Spirit. This is what Paul writes to the church at Galatia. The fruit of the Spirit. 
Okay, not the fruit of Frank, not common goodness, all that. This is the fruit of God's spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. There is no law. And so God wants to say, I want, this is the very character of Christ. Now, just put, put Jesus here. Here's the character of Christ. Christ is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and all those other things. That is who he is. And he comes to dwell in us by the Holy Spirit so that our life more and more looks like him, is more and more filled with him. This is his desire, that his character is built in us so that you and I look more like him and live more like him. And therefore, what does that living look like? That living looks like, as Jesus walked, I walk. As Jesus talked, I more and more talk. As Jesus thought, I more and more think. As Jesus trusted the Father, I trust the Father. As the things which Jesus said and did, I did. So when Jesus said, these things shall you do. He's talking about the things he did. And even more, because I go to the Father. Did you hear what Jesus said for us, you and me to hear? These things shall you do that I did. And even more, because I go to the Father. Now that even more, what is that even more? Well, we see throughout the scripture lots of things that the Holy Spirit did. Now I want us to, to look here in your booklet is 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. These are, this is one of the ways in which we are filled with the Spirit. There are, so the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ. I just read those to you here in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ, the very being of Jesus. There is nothing about Jesus that is not love or joy or peace. He is that he was the embodiment of, and that he now continues, obviously, to be. But there are also something called the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the, basically the life of God living in and through us. And so Paul writes this to a Corinthian church, was sometimes out of order, zealous for these power signs to take place in them. And he writes this. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So, so do you see that? Do you see what it's saying? For each, that would mean everyone in Christ receives a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Now, common good means for everybody. In this context, he's talking about the church, those who are in Christ. For to one is given through the Spirit an utterance of wisdom. In other words, wisdom that you couldn't have otherwise. Another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith, like a supernatural faith. I believe you guys this morning that, were, that, that said yes to Jesus, God gave you the gift of faith, just like he gave every one of us to believe. To another, the, let's see, I'm sorry, I lost my place. To another, get to faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one spirit. Now, I was telling you a little bit ago about a person that, you know, I had the privilege of praying for. It wasn't me that healed them. God healed them. God just either gave me the gift of healing or gave her the gift of healing. Gave me the gift to pray for her, for her to receive it, whatever. But it was a gift, and that has happened many, many times. And I hope you guys can uh, discuss that. And I would imagine that there are stories like this in this room of healing that's taken place. To another, the working of miracles, just different types of miracles. To another, prophecy. Those are, those are words of encouragement and exhortation and correction. To another, the ability to distinguish between what's good, a good spirit, and what's an evil spirit. The distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. Okay, so 
Tongues is a weird... How, how many of you have not heard of something called the gift of tongues? Have you never heard of that? Just So everybody's heard of this, right? I'm assuming. All right, but even if you haven't, you don't want to raise your hand. I'm not going to try to get you to, to speak in tongues, I promise you. But this is a language that is not a language that is known by the person speaking it. That is a language that is directed to God, praising God. So to one could be given that language, and then to another, the ability to interpret what that person is saying in that language. That's a strange, that's a strange one. I mean, that one kind of gets us, doesn't it? I mean, that's like, eh. But, but think about this for a minute. What is the most unruly part? Hear me. What is the most unruly part of your body? That stinking little thing right here. So how perfect would it be of God to say, I'm going to use that unruly thing in a way in which you don't even understand is what's happening to glorify me. Well, I can tell you, I've experienced that. Um, and I am so grateful for that ability that God gave me to articulate to him ways in which I love him and praise him. And I don't even know what I'm saying. And the joy that I have the privilege of experiencing when that language comes out of me. Now, does it come out of me and I can't control it? No, no. I, there's, there's nothing here about God's gifts that we don't have the ability to, to control, so to speak. It doesn't just blast out of you. Um, now, I've, I've heard experiences of that when they, uh, the initial gift was given. Um, but what it says here in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So here's the, here's the encouragement to you. God wants to continue in an even greater way, gift you and me more and more and more than he does. But this isn't the only way he does that. Look in, in your, your book as well. Romans 12. More gifts. For as in one body, we have many members. And members don't have all the same gifts or function. So we, though we are many, are one body in Christ. Individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. Exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who acts merciful, does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Don't be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Thirsty, give him something to drink. By doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. A lot of verses there, but a lot of power there. That is the power that we need. So you see in this, so we see these, what would be called sign gifts. S-I-G-N, sign gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. These are no less powerful gifts. Hospitality, giving, leading, encouragement. All of these things. This is what the same Spirit does and desires to do in each and every one of us. So that as the body of Christ is built up, this, this wellspring of life comes out of us into those who have Christ, to encourage those who have Christ, and to encourage those who don't have Christ, and even, as Paul wrote here, to be like a conviction, like heaping coals of conviction 
to have Christ as well. So the reason I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit is because I want to be more like Christ. And the one reason I want to be more like Christ is because the Holy Spirit has put in me the desire to be more like Christ. And to be less than them, to just live a natural life is so beneath the trillionaire status that we are in Christ. So as I said earlier uh, this morning, um, every comfort zone is a former discomfort zone, right? That became a comfort zone just to become another discomfort zone that became a comfort zone to become another discomfort zone. And here's the truth of the matter. The Holy Spirit wants to fill us over and over again. He comes to give good gifts to us. The greatest gift is the gift of salvation, which we receive by the Holy Spirit. So I, I just I wanted to, to take a moment to pray th- this afternoon as we're just got a few more minutes left to our, our, our day together. How do you sense, and I know you must, there's more. There's more of God to come welling up within us. What that looks like, I got no idea. It may come out welling out of you. Suddenly you begin to speak in another language. Okay? And the moment that happens, you're gonna, you may want to put your hand over your mouth. Don't do that. <laughs> Let God speak through you. Um, he may want to give you that gift of tongues when you're alone, just praying. But let me say there may be a cap that we've, we may have capped the well, so to speak. We may have, the terminology in the oil industry is plugged the well. (laughs) If there's something that has plugged the well, some area of your life that you believe, I'm plugging that well of experiencing the more of Christ. You may not even know what it is. We just pray for that. If you feel stuck, if you feel plugged, so to speak, let's pray about that. And so I just, I, I, I want to do that. Uh, Steve, if you come up, just play a bit. Um, just give you that. You want to be filled with the spirit. If you say, God, whatever you want for me, that's what I want. Are we cool with that? Whatever you want for me, God, that's what I want. Okay, this is not a roulette wheel. Okay, God, it's not going to just stop and that's what you got. Sorry. Um, God gifts those whom he chooses to gift with the power and the gifts of the spirit that will greatly edify you, encourage you, and build up those around you. And so this this afternoon, if your heart is, God, I want to be filled with the Spirit over and over and over again. And wherever I find myself, God, what do you want? How do you want to live your life through me by the power of the Spirit? I want that. I want that. You good with that? You good with praying about that? You ready for God to do what God wants to do?